Truly serving the Lord is not a religion. Being a Christian is not about keeping rigid rules and doing ceremonies. It's not about that. It's not about that at all. And the, this is the great difference maker is the born again experience. So anybody can go through a ceremony. Anybody can go through, through what man sets up for you to go through. So if you go through a ceremony, you might come in and you might go to station number one and station number one, uh, somebody sprinkles a little water on you and then anoints you with oil and says a chant over you. Station number two says, okay, you go back to your seat and you stand up and you repeat this prayer and do this and do that. That is religion. And there is, God is not in religion. And he even says, he goes, you will not be heard for your much speaking. What happens that really gets you into heaven? And I'm trying to break this down as best as I can get it. Is you have to be spiritually born again. You cannot do anything with your hands to get you into heaven. I need you to understand that. This is Christianity 101. Trust me, this is kindergarten Christianity. You must be born again. Jesus told in John chapter 3, Nicodemus, who was the most religious man ever, who was a Pharisee who kept all the religious law. He said, Nicodemus, you will never see the kingdom of heaven. And let me tell you something. If he said that to Nicodemus, there ain't no hope for you. I'm just going to tell you this plain up, straight up. Because you are, are nowhere near Nicodemus. He could, being a Pharisee, meant that he had to be able to recite the five books of Moses. Genesis, uh, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Leviticus, and... What's that? Exodus. The five books he quoted, he could quote word for word. And oftentimes it took them days and weeks to do it. But he could quote every bit of it. And listen, what's more than that is he lived every bit of it. You're not even close to him. There, you're, simply put, none of us in this room could even remotely stand next to that guy as far as goodness goes. I want you to understand that. You couldn't compete with this dude. And Jesus looked at him and said, you'll never see heaven. So then what would he say to you then? He said the same thing to you and me. You must be born again. In other words, and we're going to talk about this in just a second, God's word being heard by your ears and the spirit of God wooing to you, bringing you to him, calling you to him must spiritually make rejuvenate you born you again deliver you make you a new creature that has to happen within your heart if that don't happen you're not going i want to be very clear about that you must be born again you must change the old you you must give away to christ must crucify with christ in, in order for the new you to begin again being born of God's word, a kind of first fruits as James is about to tell you. You have to allow that to happen. You have to submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you have to become a new creature. 
Understand that. Understand that. And I'm glad that he did it this way. Because it puts us all on one plane. There's no big eyes and little U's. We all have to go the old knee route way as the old ones used to say. Okay? So this does away with religion, this concept of spiritual renewal. This is within you. So this has to happen in your heart. There's nothing you can do. This has to take place within you. Okay? This is what James says. And these two births, two deaths. So a man, in, in the two births, two deaths situation, we crucify with Christ. That's one death, spiritually speaking to us. And then we are born again. That's one spiritual birth to us. When a man physically dies, that is the second death. That's, that's two, two deaths for the Christian, this is. Okay? And then... Being born again, I was born physically and I was born once spiritually. Two births, two deaths, two births. You see that? I was born physically, I was born spiritually speaking. All right? I die physically, right? Two births, two deaths. I was born physically and then I was born again. I died Physically, and I died spiritually when I was crucified with Christ. To the unsaved, they also have two births and two deaths. They are born naturally, and then they are woken up for the great white throne judgment, being born yet alive again. Okay? So you have a natural birth that happened to the unsaved, and then you have the awakening at the great white throne judgment. That's two births. Then they have two deaths. They die physically, and then at that great white throne judgment, the Bible says they are thrown into the lake of fire, which is the second death. Two births, two deaths. Do you understand? That, I want that to sink in and be very clear to you. The second death... The difference between a saved and unsaved person is the second death is hellfire for the unsaved. I don't know how else to put that. Simply put, two births, two deaths. One set of being born and dying for the saved, one terrible set for the unsaved. All right. Now, James goes on to talk to talk about something in a little bit different way here. And this is what he says in verse 15 and 16. He says this. Well, let's go. Let's go up to 13. I'm going to read 13 through 16. When tempted, no one should say God is tempting me for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Now, I'm going to get into the difference between temptation and trials, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed, then after desire has conceived, okay, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Interesting statement. But then he goes on to say this in verse 16. Don't be deceived, my, my brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is, gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth 
listen to this, through the word of truth. Not through your religion. Not through the sliding of beads. Not through the taking of, a, of, the, of the Eucharist. Not through being baptized. He gave you birth. The brother of Jesus said, listen to this, through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. So there is a birth that comes through hearing God's word and allowing it to not only be heard by you, but to penetrate your heart and allowing God to save you and asking for forgiveness based on what you've heard and what you know to be the truth. You submit your spiritual self to Christ and he will save you. This must happen to you, Christian people. You have to be born through the Word of God. And this is a spiritual thing. It is not a physical thing. This is a spiritual thing. Father in heaven, we ask in the name of Jesus that you give us wisdom as we walk through the Word together now, God. And help us to exposit this Word of God, Lord, your Word. Teach us and whisper into our ears that we may hear clearly. Cleanse us of all unrighteousness, that there be nothing upon our slate. But God, that we may be perfect in your sight. Guide us and lead us in all truth and in righteousness for your name's sake. And Lord, we thank you for all that you continue to do. We thank you for the long trip getting us there and getting us back safely, that we could stand in the pulpit this morning and we're honored to do it, Lord. And we're grateful, Lord, to pre preach the gospel in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to teach this to you, and we'll get into prayer requests here in just a minute. But I want to walk through this with you so that you completely understand. Okay. Now James talks, he says, when tempted, no one should say God is tempting me. The difference between temptation and trial is this. Going through a God-given trial is God making you better by allowing you to go through something that will make you stronger in your faith. Being tempted is whose author is the devil to bring out the worst in you to lead you to death. God through a trial is trying to bring out the best in you to bring you to life. Satan through temptation is trying to entice you like throwing out a, 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 a lure and dragging it in trying to entice a fish to take a bite and all of a sudden you've caught it by the mouth and it's dead meat. Okay, so trial is designed to allow you to go through some hardship, but to make you better at the end of this, but not to hurt you, not to not to defile you, not to devastate you, not to ruin you. But temptation, whose author is the devil, is meant to ruin you and bring out the worst in you. Temptation being something like something like uh, being enticed to drink something. Being enticed to smoke something, being enticed, enticed to inject something, being enticed to participate in something, being enticed. These are temptations. Okay, Trials are valleys and things we have to go through that tests our faith. Hardships. Hardship, things that we have to go through that makes us call on the name of Jesus to help us because we need strength. Trials, it says, that, that makes you call on your belief system in order to help you get through it. That's God's workout for your spiritual 
self. But now this is what James was talking about. When tempted, no one should say God is tempting me. God don't try to ruin you. He doesn't try to bring out the worst in you. And God can't be tempted. Okay? For God cannot be tempted by evil. He is perfect light and perfect holiness. And evil cannot tempt what is already perfected. It's just no way. That's the reason why when, when you're saved, and finally, you're, you're, salvation is a process, let me tell you. You're saved right now, but as you go through life, you're going through the what's called the sanctification process, according to the Scripture. You're being made more and more like Jesus until one day you stand before Him and evil cannot tempt you either. When that day comes and you stand in heaven in, in a perfected state, then... Evil cannot touch you either. Now listen to this. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and they're enticed. So when you go through temptation, what Satan does is he begins to entice you through desire. And what desire is, is something that's in your heart. Desire is something that you set your mind on and, and your, your, all of your emotions belong to it and you drive towards it and you're uh, allowing Satan to drag you into something that could ruin your, your relationship with Jesus Christ. Enticement is a lure. Enticement is something that takes you from one position and puts you in another. A lure going by a fish is just a lure going by a fish until that fish watches it and can't take it no more and hits it. It gives up its position of safety and grabs onto the hook in which now it's snared. This is exactly how it works in Satan's world of tempting Christian people. He'll put the lure right in front of you and it looks so good. And your thought life is going, man, if I could just have that, bam, I want that, bam, I'll do that, bam. And you give up your position of safety in order to be enticed, according to the enticement in which is you're being drawn towards. So he goes on to say this, he says, after desire is conceived, I want to talk about that just for a second, conception of desire. It's just like conception of a baby. Upon conception, a baby is in the womb. It's not born yet, but it's there. Okay? Listen to what James says here, which is very wise, okay? After desire has conceived, okay? Now there's a baby of sin in you. Do you see what I'm saying? Desire conceived is within your soul. There's something happening in your soul. There's a, you're about to give birth to something. Because you've allowed desire to come into your heart and it has conceived sin within you. Okay? All of a sudden, there's a union between enticement, temptation, and desire. 
And now it's in your heart. And you cannot escape it. It's there. Now what? Now James goes on to talk. Now we're going to get into this birth situation again. Spiritually speaking, there's a lot of stuff going on in your heart. A lot of stuff that's going on in your mind. This is what he says. He says, after desire is conceived, listen to this, there's a time period and then it gives birth to sin. How long is that time period? Pastor Jay, is that nine months? No. Is, this a, is, this a, is there a period of time in which my belly's going to swell up and I'm actually going to have to go to the hospital and I'm going to have to give birth to sin? No, Julie, it don't happen that way, okay? Julie's looking at me thinking, man, am I going to go through this again? Am I going to have to, am I going to, have to go to the doctor now and get checked out? And all of a sudden now I'm going to have to get on those uh, vitamins for this, this thing I've birthed in my, you know, and prenatal stuff. And my mom's classes, you know, and I'm going to have to learn how to give birth to sin. Julie was thinking that I know she was. Wasn't you, Julie? Okay, she wasn't then. Okay, all right. Just checking back there. So desire has conceived. Now we're going to give birth to sin. So what happens? What is going on with this? Actually, at the moment that you set your mind on desire and it conceives and you put your amen on it and you allow it into your life, sin is birthed. It's an immediate thing that begins to happen. Because Jesus says this. This is what the scripture says. As a man thinks, right, so is he. If a man looks at a woman and lusts after her within his mind, within his heart, he's already committed adultery or fornication with her already. It's already done. Your desire was instantaneous. Okay? It, 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 it conceived and it gave birth to sin. It was that quick. It was that fast. And now sin is alive. You produced sin whose author is Satan. Satan ran the lure past you. Your desire and enticement for what he was presenting brought on the union that conceived desire. And instantaneously you gave birth to sin. Do you understand? Now you have got a problem. Now you have a problem. Because if you don't do something with that birth, then you're going to die. And here's the news. All of us have it on our account. No one in this room is exempt from it. The Bible says all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. I want you to say all with me on the count of three. One, two, three. All have sinned. Not a few. Not just me. Not just you. All of us have sinned. The Bible says if we say that we have no sin, we're a liar and the truth is not in us. Brother John said that. If you say that you don't sin, then you don't know. You don't even understand this concept. You're a liar. Because you have sinned. 
Every one of us has. Okay? So, what do we do with this thing? If you leave sin go, and this is what he says right here, it says, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. That birth is at the second death. That birth right there is sin staying in your life and you not dealing with it. And then when it gives birth, it's going to be when Christ throws you in the lake of fire that burns forever and ever. That's what it brings you to. is spiritual separation from God. That's death. Death isn't dying and going to a funeral home. Let me tell you that. That's simply, that's simple. Everybody's going to go through that. Real death? Let me tell you what real death is. Real death is eternal separation from God in flames that burn but never consume but have a real effect on your spiritual person and you will forever deal with it for eternity. That's death. And that's what the scripture says is death. The second death. That means from that moment on, never ending, a million years from now, you've not even begun. Ten trillion years from now, you're still, it will never, ever stop. One person put it like this, at the time it would take a tissue rubbing up and down on the top of Mount Everest, by the time you would be able to sand it all the way down with a tissue, you've not even begun in hell. How's that for you? That's real death. That's the death that you should be worried about. And what brings that kind of death on? Sin. Desire conceived, sin, and then sin giving birth to death. That's what we should be worried about. It shouldn't be about this physical body that you have, that you, everything that you do is concerned about this, right? Everything you do is concerned about how am I going to make it in this world? And old, the old devil, Satan himself, the serpent himself is so good at blinding us to this fact that we are so worried about what is temporary anyway that last According to the Bible, three score and ten, 70 years is the average span of a man's life given to us now. You're so worried about 70 years, you're going to trade 70 years for eternity? Are you stupid? That's what I say to myself. What the heck's wrong with you? You would give 70 years of pleasure for eternity in hell? Would you make that trade? Would you really make that trade? Is Satan such a good negotiator? Does he bring about such a good bargain that you would trade it? Eternity for a few years. I don't know about you, but that's just not a good deal. Oh, but you don't understand, Pastor Jay, you know, I got this motorcycle, man. And it's awesome. 
And I, and I want to do that. And I want to go and feel the, the wind going through my hair. I want to be on that thing in the sun, man, driving down the road. I want to be in that, I want to be in that sports car. I want to be in that boat. I want to be on that, in that house. I want to be, I, I, I'm, uh, that, Brother Jay, I'm gonna, I would give anything to have that. And that's exactly what you're doing. Because these things, if they can drag you away from Christ and they can turn your eyes off of the eternal things, see, that's what Satan does. Satan takes all these beautiful things of this world and he, and he distracts your attention away from what's really happening over here and gets all your attention on this stuff. And then all of a sudden, one day, you've you, you got to go to the doctor because you've not been feeling well. And your attention's still over here on this you're looking over here, this is all good and everything. But then them words come from the doctor. You have three months to live. Oh my God. You know how many people go through that every day? You know how many people get, get a call from their doctor saying, listen, I need you to come in, I need to talk to you. And they come in and the doctor says, listen, I'm sorry to tell you this, but I can't do anything. You have cancer. And by the look of things, you might have three months to live. All of a sudden, this over here ain't so important, is it? All of a sudden, you feel like you've wasted your days. All of a sudden, you've wasted your time. What? Doing what? Doing, doing silly things. Doing... 70 year things. You haven't all your, your 70 year things is packed full of things that you've done. But your, your eternal things is like a big, beautiful house with nothing in it. Not a blind in the window, not a curtain. The yard is bare and, 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 and no grass. It's dilapidated and needs painted. There's no lights on. Everything's dark and cobwebs everywhere where you've not cleaned it at all. You've not even been around. But over here, there's sparkling things and beautiful things and, and all kinds of love me plaques that you've got hanging on the wall. You've got more degrees than a thermometer over here. You're going to be the smartest person that's ever went to hell. You'll be the most qualified demon in darkness. Over here, this eternal thing that's going to stand forever is left empty and alone. And all of a sudden, you get in the mood to try to start fixing some things up. Boy, I think I'll, still, I think I'll leave this stuff that doctor done told me. I think I'm going to leave this stuff alone. I'm going to go here and start sweeping this off. I'm going to clean these cobwebs up. And God's going, hmm. You're going to give me three months out of this 70 years I gave you, huh? Hmm, thank you. Reckon he'll hear what you have to say. No, I don't know. You went to Brother Jay's church and he, he told you these truths every week. I don't know. I'm not that judge. 
I can only tell you these things. That there is a death that I don't want you to experience. That I don't want to experience. And it's coming. And we will all face it. He says this. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above. I always tell everybody that. My dad, and I'm going to send this message to him, calls me yesterday on my way home from Alabama and said, I want to tell you something that happened. He goes, I wasn't going to tell you, but I'm going to tell you. He goes, I was over on your side over there and, and I was just driving around and he goes, I went down the hill and he goes, I had a gas can full of gas on the back of the ATV and there we have this like toolbox thing. It's plastic. It's, you know, it kind of encapsulates the seat. And he had the gas can sitting there and he started going down this hill with a gas can tipped over pouring gas all over him. And so he goes, I went to reach around, and when I did, the ATV flipped over on top of me. And he goes, it landed on top of me. And he goes, I was pinned. And them ATVs weigh about 600 pounds, 700 pounds. And he goes, it was on top of him, and the handlebars was right here in his chest, he said. He said, and I could not lift it off of me. He goes, and it was... Getting get where I couldn't breathe. He was not laid there for about 10 or 15 minutes, he said. He was and I tried to use my leg to get it off of me because it wouldn't move. He goes, I tried to push it off of me and I couldn't get it off of me. He goes, there was no one around. And it is the case with my dad. And dad, you need to hear me. You should always tell somebody where you're at. You should never do things like that alone. Again, dad's doing everything he shouldn't be doing. And he's laying there with this 600-pound ATV on top of his 125-pound body. And he told me on the phone, he said, I was laying there thinking about what I needed to do. He said, and I told God, well, God, it looks like I'm at the end of the line for me. I'm not going to make it. You know what I'm talking about, Tom. There's no one down in there. Okay. He said, I was laying there. He goes, my left arm was pinned. I couldn't get my phone out of my pocket. He goes, I couldn't move at all. He goes, and so help me, Jay. So help me, he said. As I was laying there, he was, something lifted that thing off of me and flipped it over on its wheels. He goes, it wasn't me. He goes, I wasn't even trying. He said, something lifted. I said, well, Dad, I, you were on my land. And I'm a man of God. And I've prayed and asked God's blessings on that, on that place. I said, the miracles that surround that place, my wreck on there when I was younger. I hit this cable and the, the motorcycle catapulted me over it. And I flipped, do a complete flip. And it was like someone caught me and went like this and laid me on the ground. Not a scratch, not a gravel in my hair, nothing. I just got up, picked my motorcycle up and drove off. My dad, I pulled right behind him in the backhoe. I thought he walked right by me. There's no way he didn't see me. I was just, but I hear the backhoe start and I've got my back to the backhoe. The backhoe bucket, which hangs off the back is like this, is right here against my back. And I hear, and he would have killed me. 
I hear him start the backhoe, didn't think nothing of it, and I hear the backhoe going, vroom, 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 like this. He had it in reverse and was trying to back up. And had he have went backwards, he would have crushed and killed me instantaneously. I was pinned against my ATV. It would have, it would have cut me in half. He come out white as a ghost and looked at me and said, I don't, he goes, my brake's not on. There's nothing under the tire. He goes, but this backhoe would not move. As soon as I moved, he put it in reverse and backed up. I'm telling you, these kinds of things should make you think about the things to come. He just told me that story last night. Laying there, 600 pound ATV on top of you, and then suddenly it's picked up and put on its wheels. He said, I got up. I had gas all over me. He said, I picked my tools up, put it in there. He goes, and do you know, he goes, I just bumped the starter and it fired right up. After laying upside down all that whole time, carburetor wasn't flooded or nothing. He goes, and I drove home. I said, you need to go to church tomorrow and tell the whole church what God in heaven did for you. Because like I told my dad, walking in miracles should be everyday Christianity for you. If you truly believe, then these things should accompany you because Jesus says these things that I do, you should be doing also. For I must go to my father. He was only 33 years old. Some of us live three lifetimes more than that and don't do anything with Jesus Christ but he said, the things that I'm doing, you should be doing. And if you don't, well, that's on you. We pray for things and then are surprised when things happen. I told my dad this. That's not faith. Why do you pray and then go, goodness gracious, that really happened. How about that? <laughs> that's not faith. But listen to this, all good things come from up above. When God blesses you, you can betcha that God is trying to open your eyes to Him. He's trying, trying to make you know that He is real. That God is real. What do you do when God becomes real to you and He's a part of your everyday? Okay, listen to this. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits through all he created. And I'm going to stop with this. I've already been preaching again for 35 minutes and seven seconds. Can't believe that. But at any rate, being born through the word. My preaching to you is not me. It's God to you through me. It's the Word of God given to you through an oracle of God, through a preacher, a God-called person, God speaking to you spiritual things. This is what you need to hear. When you hear the Word, the Word has power enough to lift that ATV off of my dad. It had power enough to speak the world into existence. Let me tell you, that was a simple little thing for God. That was a simple, simple little thing for God. 
The word of God can part the waters of the Red Sea for the, for the Jewish people to pass. It can speak the world into existence. It can take a sore filled leper and make his skin perfectly clean. It can make the dead rise again. It can make the deaf to hear, the blind to see, the mute to speak. And guess what else it can do? It can born you again. I've known of people to go to church their whole lives only to think they're saved and then get born again and realize they weren't because they had been self-deceived. They had been brought up in church, but they didn't understand that the, the Word of God has the power to give you a new birth. To change you. To make you begin again. To stop you in your tracks. Turn the page. And you are completely different. Do you understand? Humble yourselves and pray. The Bible says if my people who are called according to my purposes will humble themselves and pray, I will heal their land. Pray. Ask God to save you. Submit to Him. Let Him. Let the power of the Word of God into your heart. Ask Him to forgive you of your sins and you will be saved. But you have to mean it. Because he knows the very intent of your heart. I wish I could take a magic wand and wave it over everybody's head and say, poof, you're saved. But I can't do that. And you can't come up here and just repeat a couple words and expect to be saved. Your heart, you have to mean it with all your heart. And when you do that with sincerity and God sees that you mean it, and you're ready to repent, repent meaning that you're ready to change your lifestyle, that you're ready for change, that you're ready, God will say, I'm ready for you. And He will change your life. And you will start over again. Folks, that has to happen. Clean up your spiritual side of your home. Clean up your spiritual life. Don't be so focused on this life. But clean up your spiritual life and let God begin to work in your life.